ಗುರುದೇವಾಯ ದೇವ್ಯ ಮಾತ್ರಿಕ್ಷ ಮಂಗಲಂ ಮಂಗಲಂ ಭಕ್ತ ಬೃಂದೇವ್ಯೋ ಸರ್ವಲೋಕಾಯ ಮಂಗಲಂ ಓಂ ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯ ಚ ಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರ್ವಧರ್ಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರ ವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯ ರಾಮಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯ ಮಂಗಲಂ ಓಂ ಸದಾಶಿವಸಮಾರಂಭಂ ಶಂಕರಚಾರಮಜ್ಮ ಅಶ್ಮರಚಾರ ಪ್ರಾಯಂತಂ ವಂದೇ ಗುರುಂ ಪರಂ ಪರಂ ಗುರು ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಗುರು ವಿಷ್ಣು ಗುರುದೇವೋ ಮಹೇಶ್ವರ ಗುರುರೇವ ಪರಂ ಬ್ರಾಹ್ಮಣ ತಸ್ಮೈ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುದೇವ ಗಣೇಶ ಶಾರರ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಶ್ರೀ ಹರಿ ಜೋಯ ಡಿಸ್ಕಶನ್ <laughs> last week we were joking we've joked for years as we've been we were, we've given like nine years of talks on the shrimad bhagavatam and the essence of the bhagavatam is krishna lila and not until this year did we mention krishna once right we had to take a lot it takes a long time before to get krishna lila so similarly we've been talking kali puja i don't know 16 17 meetings now that's an hour and a half per meeting <laughs> that's not many hours and last week is the first time we mentioned kali actually we actually uh, we was her um the antar pitanyasam the consecration of the inner shrine the and then the the um visharinyasa uh, um uh, her vinayoga mantra for the kali mantra the anga the nyasa of the fingers and the limbs of the kali mantra and then the external worship do we get to the external the external on uh, I'm not sure if we did or not. No, no, it comes later. That comes later. The external uh, nyasa of the that's that's later. Yeah. <clears throat> so 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 that's actually the that's the actual beginning of the actual Kali Puja is just just now beginning. Although it's taken months and months and months and months to get to this point of description. And even in Puja, most of the Puja, if you come on Amavasya or even daily Puja, most of the Puja is what we've done so far. It's that's that's the gist of the, the most of the Puja. the actual worship of kali it's it's a few mantras right the other day uh, stanishwar he mentioned something like this that to do the he did a we we witnessed a beautiful installation of um uh, shivalingam at a uh, uh, at a uh, devahuti and david's house they installed the shivalingam when when the wonderful pandit came and he mentioned actually the the mantra to install the deity is take a few moments to chant but it was 6 7 hours of preparation if you prepare the if you prepare the container then it's easy then then uh the deity manifests so similarly all this we've been doing is preparation for this now what we're doing now the actual meditation invocation of kali last week we mentioned first we invoke we consecrate her shrine where she her seat where she's going to sit so if so in 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 traditional worship we we worship we offer all the items you would item you would offer to a respected guest so minimally you can offer somebody a seat right so uh what is it bushroom what is it uh, um bushroom bushroom please at least sit sit down right have a glass of water right there's a statement actually even an enemy should can be offered a glass of water and a place to sit right minimally you know 
uh, um, but to speak of an honored guest, right? So th all of this is part of, and in, in Sanskrit, in the puja, it's idam asanam, may come and sit here and accept our worship. But first you have to create, and you can't invite somebody to sit unless you've created a place for them to sit, right? So before you invite a guest, you have a guest coming over, what do you do? You clean. Or if you have a guest staying over, that's even more tricky. You have to clean, or you have to make, create a room, put new sheets, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. You have to prepare. You can't just sleep somewhere over there, you know. So a lot, a lot of this is the preparation of creating the, the asan, right? So now who we're inviting to sit. So we've created first the, the internal altar, the internal seat. We talked a lot about that last week. We're working our way to culminate in the external seat. And we mentioned last week also, but I've been since last week I've been, been it's been in, rotating in my mind that the significance of this point. We usually think, oh, we have to move from the external worship to internal worship, right? And and that, that we have to, and we always hear. And I said that this is a bit of a, a prejudice of the yogi of, of a certain type of yogic presentation, that some another the uh, uh, that realize. Of course, and it's true. Our Guruji used to also say that if you don't find God within your heart, you won't find Him anywhere else. Right. But that even in that statement, if you don't find God within, you won't find him anywhere. It means the goal is to find him anywhere. So to find him anywhere, you have to find him within. Right. So the goal of meditation isn't to find him within. It's to find him within so that you can find him everywhere or anywhere. Right. So it's not structured to first you do external worship and then you do internal worship. No, first you do internal worship and then after you've successfully meditated and invoked the deity within, seen her, loved her, uh, um, uh, held her, right? Then and worshipped her with all aspects of your being. Uh, then you worship her externally, right? The the the, cu the culmination of the puja is the external worship, not the internal worship. So it's a it's a different perspective, you know. I think it's a pretty important point. <clears throat> so as we've done through all the preliminary worship, we worship Guru. Ganesha, Surya, Narayan, Shiva, Durga, Sri Ramakrishna, Holy Mother, Vivekananda, and Baneshwara, up to this point, right? Each one, we've done the same thing. We First, we meditate, we hold the flower in Korma Mudra. We've talked about this before. And you meditate on their Dhyan Mantra, a verse, a description of their form. You know, it's like Lord, like Lord, um, Lord Surya is uh, wearing a certain type of garlands, golden jewelry, sitting in the circle of the sun on a low, you know, there's ways to meditate like this. Shiva has so many arms with five heads and three eyes. It describes like that. Uh, we meditate on those forms. And, to, and we've talk, talked a lot about the Anmantras to, to visually hold them. Uh, and then we put the flower on the shrine and then feeling that they're also within whatever we're worshiping, the Shiva Lingam or the... Uh, Shalagram Shila, the Yantra, or the altar like that. And then we offer the five item. We've been offering five item worship, which is uh, perfume, flower, incense, light, and food. This is called the Panchar Puja. Uh, uh, so we've done this for the, each, each of the deities with five items because we're culminating in the worship of Kali with 16 items. Right, and so if you worship, there, there's there's different. There's a five item worship, there's a ten item worship, and a sixteen item worship. So according to how you worship the main deity, the goal of your puja, you worship the, the preparatory deities are worship with appropriately uh, uh, less puja, 
right? So uh, if you're doing a five-item worship of Kali, like in the small Kali book, this is a five-item puja worship of Kali. So Guru, Ganesha, Surya, they all get one flower. At the Gandapushpe, they get one item worship, a flower, right? If you do a ten item worship, they'd get five item worship. It moves up like this, right? So we've done. So now we're we're preparing to do the the sixteen item worship or ten or sixteen item worship of Kali. And so when we meditate, now we're gonna. So works. We're, we're not just visualizing, uh, chanting the mantra to visualize her, and then off and then doing the puja. It's a little more complex. First, we visualize her with the Dhyan Mantra and hold her, trying to hold the image in the mind, right? And then you maybe have seen we're doing puja, we put a flower on our head. This flower is put on the head. Now, I'm interesting, I'm not sure, it, you see it's, being, it's done at Dakshinishwar, it's done at Ramakrishna Mission, that's common in puja. I'm not sure if it's always been common in puja. I know Sri Ramakrishna used to do this. And usually the way the, way the literature is, it's like, oh, it was scandalous. He put the flower on his own head, that should be at Ma's feet. Right, so and it was like his own thing, and, and should, should we correct him? Not some some priests want to correct him, and then the Rani Rasmi said, no, no, correct him. He's a unique priest, mother by his devotion, Ma's going to awaken, right, like this. Um, I'm not sure if if that's so a con- such a controversial thing, putting the flower on on their head. But the idea there is because where is Ma's feet? Ma sits on top of the head, or Ma is within the body. So this this body is the shrine. So this is where we put the 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 internal flowers. Put it first on the head. And so we worship her by by uh, put the flower the, the same flower instead of putting it on the shrine you put it on the head, and you visualize through a, a series of guided visualizations the the all the items that you do in puja five one item five item ten item or sixteen item or thirty uh, 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 thirty uh, fifty four item sixty four item thirty two item or sixty four item puja um, they're all done internally. Uh, through bhava, through emotion and feeling and sentiment and visualization, right? And then that's, but then, and so that, that, that's, with that complete, then you've done the internal worship. Now we have to do external worship. So then the same nyasa we've done to consecrate the shrine and the same nyasa we've done to consecrate the hands and the body are now done externally to the external shrine, making the internal, the, out, the outside and the inside, the, shri, the external altar, a yantra or lingam or image, and the internal altar of our seat of consciousness, identical uh, co- to co- uh, correspondence. Where if you do one, you do one, you do something to one, you're doing it to the other. We don't know how to. We try to do it mentally internally, but we some we don't know how to do. We can do it externally, and it happens internally. We do it internally, and it happens externally. We make it identification, correspondence between the inner and outer shrine, right? And then now, the one that we 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 try to see within, we open our eyes and see her without. Here she is, right? Of course, first here she is, and then here she is. But here she is is a little hard. The idea that God's everywhere—that's the truth. That every scripture says, and even if it doesn't say that, you should—it's not worth it's the price, you know, on the side of the road, you know, to buy such a book. You know, it's like the, the God is everywhere. But while God is everywhere, and therefore, actually, we can even make a, a bolder statement: there's only God everywhere. So it's not that we that we we see that, that God's within the world. There's only God. There's no second person here. I'm sorry to say we're it's a, it's a, I'm really lonely, but this is even lonelier. There's, no, there's only one person here, you know. <clears throat> but being the only person here and seeing only her, we don't see her. That's the problem, right? So we have to be trained ourselves. We have to know what to look for, right? I remember I've used this example. I, I, we have a Guru Bhai. Uh, in many, many years ago, when I was 16, 17 years old, Samaji held up a, um, um, 
he had this like this picture. It was like a trick type of thing for. And he said, "What do you see here?" And he held it up, and you see dots, right? But if you see properly, actually, it's a picture of Jesus. It's an obvious the classical silhouette of Jesus. You know, it's a crown of thorns or something like that. It was obviously Jesus, based on an ancient recognizable painting. But I look at it and I didn't see anything. Right? He says, "Anybody see it? Anybody see it?" And a few people, oh, "I see it. I see it." And other people, "Anybody see it yet?" And he said, "Okay, now look at look at the light color. Look at the light dots, not the dark dots." It's like he's like, "Oh, I see it." Like, Anybody else? You know, it took me a long time. But once you see it, then you see it. Right? Then you see it's like a trick of how to how to focus. You're actually looking at a picture of Jesus, but if you don't know how to look at it or what you're looking for, you don't see Jesus. Right? But once you see Jesus, it's hard not to see Jesus in it. But it's tricky. He held it up the next week. to the say point? And I said, I don't see it again. You know? It's easy to forget. It's, it is a, we have to practice again and again. So we see, we see only Ma, but we don't see Ma because we see a world. So how to train. So this is a system. First you train to see her, visualize her, feel her uh, within. Right? Then we try to see her, visualize her, feel her, pray to her. In, in, in where she's obvious, like like she say, like, you know, here she is, right? Or Krishna was, I mean, and attend a temple where everything is focused, all the attention is focused to try to see God, in a place where God has been made obvious, right? And then, according to uh, uh, the devotional literature, it says then we see the deity, try to see that same deity. It's not easy to jump to see the deity in the world, right? So Sri Ramakrishna made a very beautiful statement. He says, well. God's everywhere, no doubt, right? We can say like that. Who would not want to say? Who would, Sri Ramakrishna wouldn't say God isn't everywhere. God's everywhere, right? But there's a special manifestation in the hearts of a devotee, right? He said that many, many times, right? He says he called it his living room, right? Like this is my, this is, this is not my his mom's house, but let's say this is my house or your house. You know, you could say, where do you live? Well, in this house, and you could say you live everywhere in this house, right? Your presence is everywhere in this house, but there may be a place where you hang out. The place where you're most comfortable, right? Your living room, perhaps, or your dining, your wherever your kitchen table is, where 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 your house. So he says, the Sri Ramakrishna said, the the devot the the devotee's heart is God's living room, is his comfortable place where he's where he specially manifests. And there's many beautiful um, uh, mystical poetic um, examples of uh, to 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 us to feel this, uh, where there's like one example that says, well, like. God is infinite, right, uh, and holds the infinite universes as a speck within Him, right? You know, it's like it says Amon in the Litotricity, from her sidelong glance, trillions of universes are created, right? So all every not just our universe, every imaginable universe is a speck within the infinitude of God, right? So He holds everything, she holds everything. Yet in some strange way, by Bhava perhaps, maybe not mathematically, but maybe mathematically. A devotee holds God in their heart, right? You know, because we hold when we hold God in our heart, we're holding the full, in some sense, the full God, not just an aspect, right? So the devotee, God holds the universe, and we hold God, right? So of course we can't start preaching devotees are greater than God, but <laughs> devotees are greater than God. There's something there is the, the bhava, the bhava is higher than tattva here, it's higher than the the feeling and sentiment is higher than the mathematical computations you know that so so we we first we find try to feel god within then try to feel god in the temple in the consecrated image archana vigraha the worshiped image the installed image the consecrated image right then we try to see god 
hopefully, in the hearts of the devotees. This is something people skip, unfortunately. You know, I feel I see God in the temple and I see God in the world. People suck, right? And the devotees in my church are the worst of them all. You know, <laughs> I have my list of grievances. You know, actually, other other people may be bad. But I don't know them well, but the people in my temple I know very well. So I've kept a very good list of all their faults. <laughs> so there, that's a danger. We we sometimes skip the devotee part. Final sip. Right, and then the ultimate is to see God everywhere. Swami Chaitanya, we mentioned Swami Chaitananda's new book just came out, See God with Open Eyes. Right, that's the, the real goal. Uh, anybody can, and then Swami, Swami Krishna will joke sometimes, he says, the yogis close their eyes and they see darkness. So then he joked, we may not see God, but we eat very good food. <laughs> joking like this. I Meaning we, we, we have fun with the devotees. Right, you know, it's like that. That's the thing. You know, the, whatever, whatever. It's like, oh, the yogi. Sri Ramakrishna was beyond the yogi. We may not see God, right? but we don't. We don't see only darkness, right? We play in so many different ways. So, <clears throat> the point that the point I'm trying to make in to, to strain of a way is that the the uh, to, to see God with open eyes, to see God everywhere, is not an easy thing, right? So maybe it is, some people just like once you see, once I show you the picture, people immediately see Jesus in the picture. Great, that sudden sudden realization, right? To some of us, we have to practice a little bit. Look at this, look at that, look again. Do you see? Look at the look at. They train you know, do this to your, close one eye and try to focus on something else. Slowly, you get to see it. You get to see the uh, Jesus in the picture, right? But there's a but. So this is a, a an ancient, and authentic and tested method. All right, puja is one of the methods to do this, right? So first we so so um uh, so. In the puja, we'll internal puja. Then we then we then we worship in the image, but it's not just there. Then what do we do the rest of the time? There's a thing maybe you've heard, and hopefully you haven't said. Right? I'll judge you very harshly if you have said such a thing, but uh, hopefully you haven't said. I've heard many times that I I don't go to temples because God's everywhere, right? And you know you that, that's an interesting thing. It's fine. You don't have to go to temple. You don't go to temples because you're not interested in going to temples. Not because you see God everywhere. Right, it's like so. Really, I sometimes rephrase it, perhaps slightly not fair to everybody's what what people mean by it. But my sarcastic way of rephrasing people's views is is there. I don't I don't go to a temple. I I won't see God any specific place because he's every he's everywhere. Right. Another way of saying that is I don't see God anywhere because he's everywhere. That's the problem. Right. God's everywhere. Therefore, I don't see him anywhere. I won't bow to anything. I won't. I won't respect shrines. I don't respect holy people. I don't care about scriptures and mantras and churches and crosses and people's emotions and feelings and sentiments and like that because God's everywhere, right? It's like that's a weird stance, right? You know. So this is not our stance. We're trained. God's everywhere, including here, or God. God. God exists everywhere. Thakur said, but the devotee's heart's his special place, right? So a temple is a special place, a consecrated place. Right, a, a shrine. Your shrine is a consecrated place, special place. <clears throat> so this is the method. So now we'll mention the Dhyan Mantra for Dakshina Kali. In the small Kali Puja book, there's a small, short, dhyan, appropriately short Dhyan Mantra, which I'll recite. It's holding a flower in Kurma Mudra. Mighangim Gatambaram Shavashivarudham Trinitramparam Karnalan Karnalamba Nrimunda Yugma Bhayadam 
मुंद स्राजम भीषणम वाम ढोर करम बूझे नार शिरह खदम च सवेतरे दाना भीति विमुक्त केशनित चयम वंदे सराकालिकम this is a very short form of the a longer mantra i mean it's it's it appears you'll find this mantra in many places um i'll just i'll give the just i'll just give a simple uh, i'm going to go step by step to the longer version which include all the points but because it's in the small book i mean we only have the small book we meditate eternally vande sada kalikam we always worship sada kalika always worshiping kali the auspicious kali dark as a storm cloud meghangim enclosed in space vikatambaram shiva lies beneath her feet like a corpse shava shiva rudham tinetramparam with three eyes and supreme transcendental frightening and awesome to behold she is decorated with earrings and a garland of skulls she holds a sword in her upper left hand a human head in her lower left hand and assures fearlessness and offers boons the pose of her upper and lower right hands her hair is long and disheveled disheveled that right the shovel thank you i didn't say it right it didn't sound right the shovel right so this is a very simple description that makali is is a as um dark as a storm cloud this is this is actually this shama color it's not just black and it's not blue right it's actually storm cloud color and it helps if you spend a lot of time of course it helps if you live in a country where that has like a monsoon it's a monsoon cloud right but and it actually rained like a few days ago in a rare a rare event in California but i remember i spent a lot of time staring at rain clouds you know and so you get slowly get that color it's um it's black blue and gray it's a weird it's interesting i know the exact color because my radha krishna my krishna in my room is exactly that color in case you're wondering it took many many <laughs> many trials to get the exact shama color if you want to know what god's color actually is i have you can go to my room find out exactly his exact shade right right uh so she's black she has long disheveled hair she has a garland of skulls and four arms holding here sword severed head and giving abaya mudra and varana varana mudra right so that's a simple form the dhyan, the long dhyan mantra is from the same text called the tantra sada now it's interesting kali is mentioned in many texts kali is mentioned according to some the one of the earliest records of her name specifically um is connected to goddess Kal- kalaratri who's part of the navadurgas who's there right and she's mentioned in the mahabharata with a very inauspicious act of the killing of um who was it the uh, um uh, some children were killed in the tent oh, uh let's see um, ashvatama killed yeah so th- that that scene right and in it it mentioned the kalaratri has come and you know that's her first one of the earliest i i maybe i, I can say this correctly perhaps that's the earliest puranic reference of, of, of the shastras to her and it's very inauspicious she comes as kalarat as the night of death right and this is the very you know and not an auspicious scene right but it's seen she's an inauspicious scene but she becomes recognized as the transcendental goddess so already from her earliest uh, records she appears 
I was, I was saying the other day, we had a student from a local high school come for a class, right? And I was saying, she was asking me about, I said, it's a little gothic, our version, a little Halloween-y, I always say, you know, it's like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's the kind of darker side, <laughs> darker side of it, you know, of a, 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 a way of conceptualizing the, or a revelation of divinity. Um, so that's her earliest form. And then she's mentioned in the Chandi, in the Chandi, Kalika is 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 uh, comes out of the anger of Ma Durga Ambika, right? She frowns and a light comes and she becomes Kali, and then she's described quite horrible by external markings. You know, it's like thin, emaciated, as old and withered, withered body and hanging breasts and and the uh, the um, the her her uh, ribs piercing through her skin, holding her different types of weapons, a strange skull top staff. One of her one of weapons, you know, very, you know, it's like a very, uh, and so, and, 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 and many texts you'll find different descriptions of her, and there's different images of Kali you see that aren't this image, right? But this image has one out, right? A forearm Kali, right? Holding a sword, a severed head, and giving Abhaya Mudra and Varana Mudra, right? Boons and fearlessness. So, but this form is not that old. Right. So, but it's tricky to say because we could say, "Oh, this is the eternal Kali." Sada Kali, Kali come. This is the eternal Nitya Kali, right? This is eternal. So this is so. But historically, you have to. We can answer it different ways. Historically, you can also say, you know, like, you know, the, uh, you know, this form has not been worshipped for. It, it's fairly recent in worship, right? It's not the most ancient revelation, not the ancient form. But I can't say, I'm not going to say that, oh, that this is a, a made up, a new form, because it's recent. It's a new revelation and become popular. So who it was, who was it revealed to? The mantra, we get this, this image is carved and, and, and image is made according to the Dhyan mantra, according to the Dhyan sloka. And actually in traditional cultures, a, a sculptor will not make an image unless it matches a Dhyan sloka. Right, because I want a Kali like this. And nowadays maybe people do, but still... I know people who's like, oh, you have to convince them. No, no, I won't make this image. No, no, it's in. Look, this is this, this is the, this is the verse, right? And then they all have to ask my guru. I have to ask the 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 acharya of the ashram whether or not it's okay, whether it's legitimate. You can't just make it up, right? Nowadays, people paint all kinds of things. And it's okay. It shows their, to me. It shows their creativity in visualizing ma, right? But this these forms have been have been seen by rishi. They're okay. Every, these things, these forms have been seen by rishis, right? Um, and they're describing either what they saw, right? They have a vision and describe what they saw. We saw, I saw Kali. She has in this hand, she has a severed uh, a sword. She describes like that, right? Or it's describing what they realize in a way that we can that we can be visualized. Maybe they had a transcendent beyond name and form, beyond description, overwhelm. And they, I always sometimes think they bring their mind way down to the level of vision of image. And form and name and, and begin to give words or a picture, description of it, right? Which one of these we can't say? I think both of them. Some mantras, uh, I think some, the evidence is of both, right? Uh, whether it's their realization that's beyond language, verbalized in language and in form, or it, they had a vision and they're describing their form. And Sri Ramakrishna will describe, oh, I saw Sita. I saw a late, I saw, uh, I saw, I had a vision, it was open eye, his first open eye vision, right? I was in the Panchavati, and this beautiful woman came out of the Ganga, I, f I think. I may get this wrong, please forgive. Right? And I've never seen somebody so beautiful, and she had a, a slight smile that had sadness in her face. Right? And I go, who is this woman? 
standing here alone, and I may be adding, standing alone in the Panchavati, right? And then a, 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 a monkey jumps out of the tree and worships her. And I thought, maybe it's Sita. It must be Sita. And then, then, then she came and embraced me, and it got absorbed into me. So he describes, so we mentioned last week, even, or two weeks ago, even Holy Mother's bracelets are, he designed according to the vision of, of Sita. He's never seen this type, that type of twisted bracelet that Holy Mother wore. That wasn't the common bracelet design, right? Since then, it's become a little more because of everybody sees pictures of Holy Mother wearing this bracelet, right? So that's a vision he saw describing. You want to know what Sita looks like? We know what type of bracelet she wore, right? You know, so that's that type of vision. But sometimes it may be something completely undescribable, right? And and I would think like you bring the mind way down in the way I can describe her. She's like this, right? And then you describe like the, the some and, and, a, and a, but even the vision even if it's described in an actual visual revelation right each detail of it's going to be extremely mystical and deep right because it's the infinite appearing so every aspect of the infinite when it appears as something as if finite it's going to it's going to be infinite each detail is going to be infinite also so this image of ma kali that's become popular Right, actually, it's from the 16th century. It's not that old, right? Relatively, right? Um, um, and it first appears in a book called the Tantrasara. This is a Bengali text. Uh, 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 it's in Sanskrit. It's not Bengal. It's a, Beng- a text from Bengal. Should we say that, right? By um, a great um, uh, tantric uh, uh, adept, um, no, Krishnananda, Krishnananda, Krishnananda Anga. Angama Vagisha. Angana Angana Vagisha. I pronounce it properly. Right. Uh, he's believed to be born, you know, fifteen seventy five around that time. This is his time. And he was a great uh, tantric. And he's in the air not exactly Navadweep, but he's part of the Navadweep Renaissance of philosophy and religion. And we know of uh, of course the other famous person, the most famous person that's come down in modern times is Sri Chaitanya. Right, who taught this the new form of Vaishnavism, but we know in his life that that his he was before he was a great teacher of Vaishnav, Vaishnavism, uh, uh, he was a he had a logic school, right? We know he was a teacher of of of, um, of Naya uh, uh, philosophy and logic, and grammar, right? Because Navadvip was a seat of that, and there's many stories where who is the the pundit who came to defeat him, Lotetanyan was defeated. Like he was defeated in every way to get a boon of Saraswati. Remember who that is? Something, no, but there's a famous, I'm, it's embarrassing that I'm forgetting, but uh, uh, there's like, if you, to make a name for yourself in those days, you had to go and defeat somebody in Navadweep. Right, you had to, like now, before that it was in Banaras. You went to Banaras and you found the head of a school and you defeated him. That's how it went, right? Right, so Navadvip at Bengal at one time was not what it, it, it was a seat of tremendous. I mean, still, but it, it was a, really a seat of tremendous culture, Vishnupur and all these. It was architecture and philosophy and, and then music, Haranas, Garanas, Garanas, it was out of Vishnupur, one of the main. Now we don't even think of these things anymore. There are the culture, the seats of learning have moved to to Banaras, right? But but Bengal was quite something, and so. Out of Navadweep came four main um, revolutionary schools of thought, right? By four famous uh, uh, saints or acharya, as you would call them, right? 
One is uh, Raghunatha, he, he also out of Navadubari, he was the founder of the school of logic that Chaitanya was originally a teacher of, it seems, if we understand properly. Navya Nyaya. Then Raghunananda, another person, he was a teacher of a Smriti school of thought, scriptural school of thought. Then uh, Lord Chaitanya himself, we consider him to be the, the founder or the preacher of a new form. Navya, Navya uh, Vaishnavism, which we now call Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, uh, and then Krishnananda, this, uh, we call it Navya Tantra, a new school of Tantra, a Bengali, an uh, integrator of Bengali Tantra. And in the Tantrasara, Tantrasara is full of all kinds of hymns and all kinds of slokas, mantras, bij mantras, nyasas, and, and dhyan slokas, like that described, right? Um, and it's believed that he, he collected existing uh, literature, right? Some of these things are very old mantras or from the old, from tantras and like that. Uh, he collected like that. But this one, there's no, the Dhyan, Dhyan Mantra for Kali, of Dakshina Kali, there's no, it doesn't exist in a previous text as far as we know. So there's a story of how he came to it. Whether the story is true, I'm not sure. You know, it's 500 years ago plus, right? But it's very interesting. Um, So it says that, um, a few notes here. Okay. It says that uh, one, one day in a vision, he had a vision of Kali or a realization of Kali, a voice or a vision, saying, tomorrow I'm going to appear in a form. Right? You should popularize this as my form of worship. Right? All, you'll see, so you'll have a vision tomorrow. Right, and, and that's the form that you shall popularize in, 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 in Bengal, right? And so the next day he was, if we understand the story, we take the story uh, first historically, literally, perhaps, he was out and he saw a, um, uh, uh, a, a uh, uh, like a, I would say tribal woman, dark-skinned woman at the time, right? And she was, um, with long hair, right? And she was um, making, um, cow dung patties and sticking them onto the wall like that, you know that type of thing, right? Right. Uh, and he and he saw, could this be, could this be her, right? And then when she was standing this in a way, actually the the name of the pose is important. Um, Alida, Alida was one standing with one foot forward, her right foot forward, a particular pose, right? And he saw her this way, and then so the story goes, seeing her, seeing him. Right. Oh my God! You caught me doing. You know, and she became embarrassed and stuck out her tongue. Right? This is a, not a very well-known story, right? That type of thing. And it's a very Bengali thing where you stick your tongue out. Jaima, stick your tongue and bite your tongue. We have the, even in English we have the oh bite your tongue or you know we have this uh, like that, right? This later got developed in Bengal. The idea why Ma sticks her tongue. There's a whole story where she stepped on Shiva and then realized she stepped on her husband and stuck out her tongue. But that's not the source of it. That was developed definitely later in terms of devotional poetry. Uh, but this is that, that and so and then she so she so he composed his his mantra based upon this image, right? It was her sticking her tongue with her right hand with her right foot forward, right? So that story is true. I don't know, right? But this is uh, this is the, the the source of where he wrote we believed where he wrote the mantra. So, uh, but it's based upon a previous vision. It says I'm going to appear to you in a form. You'll see me in a form, right? In a human form. Right, that's the form I want to be worshipped in. Propagate this, spread this 
type of puja. And so as a result, you could say but this, this form of Dakshina Kali, right, uh, uh, has become, in Bengal, it's the form of Kali worshipped in Bengal, right? And bit by bit has become the form of Kali worship, partially because of uh, in Ramakrishna and the Ramakrishna tradition has spread beyond Bengal also. And that's the form, in case you're wondering, that's also the form worship in Laguna Beach, right here at Kali Mandir, right? Dakshina Kali. Now, Dakshina, uh, also, what does Dakshina mean? Everybody, people know in Hindi or Sanskrit or Bengali, Dakshina means? Right. It means right. It means? What else does it mean? South. It means south. It has both these meanings, right? Hmm? Southward. Yeah, southward. So, this could be, I, I, I don't know enough linguistics and history of development of words, but there's a general understanding of how this word Dakshina came. I'll give the general traditional understanding. A scholar may, may, may give details that, 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 uh, that uh, correct me. But Dakshina, we have this word also in common spiritual life. Dakshina is when you give a holy gift to an offering to a priest or to the guru or like this, you give Dakshina, right? And when you give Dakshina, a holy gift, right, a auspicious gift, right, you give it always with your right hand, right? There's a, there's a thing where you give certain things with your right hand. And so Dakshina, as the giving of the gift, became connected to the right. That's one view, right? And so Kali, you see on her right side, she's giving, right? It's a similar, it's connected, it's believed to be connected like this, that her giving hand is her right hand. She's giving connected like this. But then how is it connected to, to Dakshina, you know, in uh, Dakshina uh, as, as south? That uh, there's another story, I don't, won't tell the full details of it, but that Yama, the god of death, his direction, in the directional deities, every direction has a deity attached to it, right, the way it spreads. And, and so this is um, east, right? East is Indra, right? Am I going the right direction? East, then. That's uh, east, south, east, south, southeast. I'm very bad at the southeast. I'll just point. Southeast is Agni, Agni Kone, right? This is Yama, god of death. South, right? Southwest is um, um, uh, Rakshasa, Nitya, Alakshmi, chaos, de- uh, ghosts, demons, chaos, inauspiciousness comes from that corner, right? From the west is Varuna, water. Right from the what, northwest, I get this right, is um, Vayu, air. Right. No. North is Kubera, god of wealth, right? And northeast is Ishanekone, Shiva. That's why you, you, you put your, your trishul in a duni on that corner, right? There's even Shiva, our Shiva shrines on this corner for that reason, right? Ishanekone, where Shiva is, right? So, Yama saw he was coming and then he saw Kali and he got frightened and ran horrified. So she's frightening to death, right? <laughs> we're all terrified of death, maybe some more than others, you know. Uh, uh, we're terrified. Nobody, no, everybody's a little, at least a little bit of scared, a little worried about death, if not frightened, horrified of death, right? But death is scared of Kali. Right, and there's certain forms of a kali. There's a mantra, the Nishingadev mantra, Ugrambira Mahavishnum, Dwalantam Sarvadam, Nrishingamisha, Mrityo Vrityum Namamyaham. He, she, not a Shinga, these fierce form of Vishnu, he's the death of death. Right, he kills death. 
right? Of course, we could mean light, birth and death. Maybe he destroys the cycle of birth and death and liberate, or he can kill death. So even death. That's why this mantra keeps death away. These month, uh, nishingative mantras keep death is scared when approach somebody who has nishingative on his side. So similarly, Kali is uh, such a deity that death. She's more frightening than death, right? Or she holds that. And so, and so, Dakshina also means it means right. It means south. And Dakshina Kali is also south-facing Kali, right? So actually, here we've made a mistake. Not a mistake, but Ma should face that way. In Dakshinishwar, she faces south, right? Right. We couldn't when we built the temple. We it couldn't. We couldn't manage it, right? So this is also this is appropriate for a temple. Is we have a north. Uh, 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 east-west facing orientation. That's mostly for most deities like that. But Dakshina Kali, Dakshina Kali faces south, Bhairava faces south, and Hanuman faces south, right? Because all of these keep death away, right? They're looking in that direction. Death will not approach. This is a belief, right? That even death won't approach, right? And there's a saying, there's a little in, in astro- astrology and a little bit superstitious edges of astrology. It's like, well, if you die on a Tuesday or if you die on a Saturday, you'll, you'll, you'll become a ghost. It's like, that's an auspicious death, right? It's not a good day. It's not a good day to die. There's good days to die. There's good days to die. Mm-hmm. But what do we do? On those days, you worship Shiva, Bhairava, you worship Kali, Saturdays and Tuesdays, and Hanuman, you know, it's like, because that they make, because their presence keeps death away, right? It makes an inauspicious day auspicious. If you think of these things as inauspicious, right? So south is an inauspicious uh, direction, right? Uh, uh, and so look, so Ma's, so it's connected to this way. So let's 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 look at her. Forty-five minutes to word one. <laughs> Dakshina. Kali Dhyanam from the Tantrasada of Krishnananda. Om Kara Varadam Goram. Right. Karala Varada Goram. Goram. We have the word Gore, right? You know, that's gory. Right. Right. It's related. I can't make it direct, but it's related. it's considered related, right? So many words like that have a source, right? Means frightening. Right. Horrible. Awesome, right? Awesome and horrible. Let's just say in English they we've they 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 have different meanings, right? But actually, they don't, you know, it's like something is wonderful. Like look at wonderful and awful. Awful means full of awe, and wonderful means full of wonder. They're the same word, but by usage, they, they there's a term in the 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 meaning has migrated, right? Where now one means really really bad, one means really really good. But actually, the same type of thing to say something is horrible. Like or wonderful or awesome or overwhelming or bewildering or like stupendous. All these—is it a good word? The bad word? It's just—it's—it's, you know, the, the supreme reality is is tremendous. That's not, maybe that's a better word. Tremendous, right? Gora, karavrada goram. She has. She's tremendous. She's fearful and fearsome or tremendous and has a gaping mouth. Now we've given we haven't we have to go back as soon as we finish this we'll go back to our old series of Bhagavatam and Kali Sasanama. I'm missing Kali Sasanama talks, especially now because all the we every point of this month that we've given we've almost everyone we've mentioned in our Kali Sasanama talks, right? Uh, uh, and so one of them is uh, uh, describing her as as gaping mouth, fearsome teeth, Gorodamstram, uh, 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 fearful teeth and fangs and all these. We've described these type of things, right? 
So I don't want uh, to, you can, I mean, if you have time, there's 30 hours of talks on the Kalisasarama. You can also uh, scroll through and find these type of uh, topic where each one is de developed, you know, very elaborately. But the gist of it, we can see, If, we're tri if you're attributing meaning, it could just mean that she, uh, Krishnananda saw her and she had a big, giant, gaping mouth. <laughs> and he wrote, she has a tremendous, gaping mouth, right? But we, if we then to attribute uh, interpretation, meaning to this, right, which yogis, and I'm not making this stuff, this is traditionally done by yogis and tantrics, they, they've given meanings. Uh, the rishis that have commented on these things have given uh, possible ways of entering these things. What's a, this, this gaping mouth? It's, it's an image a lot in, in, in tantric iconography, and it's often seen as like, 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 a, like a cavern, like, a, like the opening of a cave, right? It's a cave that's like an infant, like it's, it's frightening, but it opens a whole other world. That's one, one way to interpret, right? Then also from a gaping mouth comes the tremendous sound, will come the tremendous sound, right? So this is from the, the rush of the one becoming everything that comes with a that's also a big part of her symbolism is her severed heads the alphabet vibration it's like the rush of vibration the first thing is like she's a tremendous sound right and then also her teeth and like this these, these have been given these are that uh, 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 everything is destroyed she creates everything she swallows everything she you know she's time all these type of things are mentioned as part of that Go kararara gauram muktakeshim, muktakeshi, muktakeshim is flowing, free flowing hair, right? Her hair is uh, unbound, unbounded hair, right? And we gave probably two and a half hours talks on her unbounded hair, right? And uh, to give him many, it's hard to we too many topics to to talk about her hair. There's whole academic doctoral dissertations on the, na the naming of hair in, in Hindu iconography, you know. Adi sent me several of them. <laughs> we went through some of these things, you know. Um, but <clears throat> she can't, we, we, one of the things we mentioned in, in, in our talks on Kali Sasanama is that one of the means of hair, when somebody binds their hair and an and unbounded hair, have, you can see it has, it has a different meaning. Like when you bind, like before puja, you you tie your hair up, right? You tie you tie your hair, right? And when you're in mourning, you untie your hair, right? There's something about, it. or you or you at, at at home you let down your hair, let you know you say, oh, don't you're, he's, you let down your hair, relax, right? The hair hair represents it's not just hair, right? Red and then your hair has a correspondence to something else, and if we consider Kali the goddess to be also pakriti, not just pakriti but also like manifest Prakriti as nature, as the, as, as the forest. And you can say she is a forest goddess. She's Vindyavasini, who comes from the jungles of the forest, from the tribal regions, the un... un, 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 un. Uh, uh. So the forest, the jungle, even better, the jungle idea, right, the, is untamed nature, wild, right? Nature is supreme in the forest. And what we do, we're not so, some people are really good at forest dwelling, right? We, and, and ancient people, what they do, they live in their little village, in their hut, right? And then they go out into the forest and they, they what they do, they get, hunt and gather, right? And then come back, 
right? It's dangerous. They go and they find what they can't, what they, they find, they hunt and they gather what they can, right? Then they're, they're dependent on mother nature, right? Very much like this, right? This is given a very anthropological interpretation of her hair, but this has been given. So I, I'm repeating and we've, we just, we've, we've established this uh, line of reasoning before, right? But what happens when you slowly realize, you know, it's like those seeds were gathering, right? And those animals were hunting, right? We can, we can also take those seeds and plant them, right? In the village or, or near the village, right? And, and it's less dangerous and more reliable, right? Going out hunting is one of the things than raising your animals, right? Uh, agriculture and animal culture and things like this, right? right? Uh, it changes things, right? But what happens then in a certain sense, you're, we even say you're a domesticated nature, that, 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 um, that species has been domesticated, right? Now, rather than wild things that are in control and you hope to get a little bit of a part of it, you're in control, seemingly. Right, you decide what lives, what dies. You know, uh, you you decide who, what animals mate and procreate. You decide what seeds grow and what season. Best, you, I mean, obviously you can't all, all the time. Nature still wins out. Right, there can be you know one fluctuation, one extra rain, everything's washed away. It hails and your farm is destroyed. You know, uh, um, but this is a the domestication is if you can if. Hair is seen in in Indian in, in, in religion to be when you when you tie a woman with tied hair is a married woman, right? And therefore is controlled. Sorry for the gendered, but this is the patriarchal gendered nature of uh, of, of, of of our of, of of the way history has unfolded, fortunately, unfortunately, right? Where humans control nature or men control women this way right we're, we're, we're now it's bound it's it's domesticated under our control right and so there's an so that's an interesting thing that 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 kali by being muktakeshi she's undomesticated she's not controlled by mankind by humans by men by, by men in that sense the gender neutral sense but she's definitely not controlled by a man right that's for sure right not even shiva she, she's standing on Shiva. <laughs> she's not being the dutiful wife, right? She's not Parvati. She's not Lakshmi. She's not Saraswati, right? She's different, right? So that's a very interesting uh, image, you know. Um, uh, uh, <clears throat> the same thing actually in the in the very uh, uh, maybe oh, and a few months later it will describe her as Digambari, naked. Now, that's a very philosophical thing, but also a similar thing, a naked goddess and a clothed goddess. They're going to have a similar thing. A naked goddess is untamed, uncovered, right? Unsocialized. Clothing is a social uh, thing, right? We see, you know, even in the news recently, there is a few people left that are uncontaminated by Western culture, <laughs> by culture, by, by modern culture, by, you know, it's like that. And these are the naked tribes of certain islands, you know, almost until a few days ago, almost untouched. <laughs> we'll see what happens, you know. Uh, uh, uh. So the naked goddess with unbound hair, she's completely free. There's other meaning. We get to her, her, her digambit has many meanings, but this is, I'm using this kind of anthropological meaning, right? So a, so that's Kali. 
Chamunda, these mantras for these fierce forms of the goddess. Then you have another form, you have Durga. Durga is described, she also has unbound hair, but she's dressed in a sari. Right? So that's an interesting thing. She's not controlled by man or by a man, but by both of those meanings, right? But she's disposed, right? She's pleasantly disposed to bless and serve and fight for man or a man. Right, so she comes and kills Mahishasuda, right, and 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 like this, she comes with like both unbound her hair. You see, during Durga Puja, she's always shown with wild hair, right, but beautifully dressed, right. So she's accepted certain uh, um, relationship with society, but she's still in control. She's still free, right. But then you see, can't say poor Parvati, <laughs> right. She's a doodle, she's a doodleful wife. Right, it's a different form. I also, no human is only one thing or many things. No woman is only one thing. Is she, or she is many things. And no, no goddess or, or the supreme goddess. Literally, she's everything, not just one thing. Right, she's become everything, including so every aspect. So this is one way of interpreting her, her, her wild, her wild hair. But there's a month that also says that her, every strand of hair is a jiva. That's an interesting thing. That's an interesting little detail. So these are all of us are free, right? But we're free, but attached to her. That's another point, right? Mm-hmm. And also, it's in the Kali Sasam, it says, Muktakeshi, um, beautiful hair, long hair, and unbound hair. I'm forgetting, Muktakeshi, um, oh, I'm forgetting, I forget, they're, they all, they're all like Keshi, 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 but I'm forgetting, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. But also, this means this whole thing that comes from her, this wildness that comes from her, it's all, it's being long means that she's mature, right? It also means, because that's somebody who has long hair, they, they've been at this a long time. But also, long also means, you know, is it, it, also young, right? So she's both, it's a sign of maturity and youth, right? Very interesting, right? And, uh, and it's beautiful. So everything about her is beautiful. Everything about us, the jivas, are also beautiful and free okay. so here she's also Muktakeshi I was I told I, when we got to her name before I mentioned in Dakshineshwar there's a famous temple called Muktakeshi Devi right it's um, walking distance from 15-20 minute walk from the temple Dakshin, like the village of Dakshineshwar where Dakshineshwar Kali temple is is named after Baba Dakshineshwar it's an old Shivalingam and just next to Baba Dakshineshwar, Thakur used to go, is a temple called Tamuktikeshi. Beautiful, bright blue goddess, right? And every time I go, I always go see, because Usha's has a Usha's mom's name is on a plaque there in memory of her. Right? I go to see, I always go to see Ma, Shiva, and the plaque of Usha's mom. And I always say Ma, you know, because there she has the way she's carved, the image has a top knot tied up. And she has no wig or anything with long hair. It's like, your name is one with unbounded hair, and they've tied your hair up. <laughs> and also, she's this big deity, quite big, and she's in a fairly small temple, right? You know, you know so you see, see it's almost like they've taken like the infinite being and kind of shoved her into this little <laughs> tiny little village temple, which I think is also a thing. She's still infinite, and she's still free, even though they've carved her with bound hair and put her in a small little temple with with iron grills that they, you know, those <laughs> deities, they, they, they even, we even caged them, make sure they don't get out, you know, <laughs> the way it is, the way, uh... but anyways, Muktakeshim Chaturbhujam, Chaturbhujam means with four arms, now that's, again, this is describing her form, there are some forms of Kali, uh, Josh recently gave us a beautiful picture of a Bengali form of Kali, with two arms, right, 
And actually, the Dhyan Mantra in the Tantrasara, I believe, for Smashan Kali, this is a detail, thinking about the picture you gave us, um, uh, describes her having two arms. Mm-hmm. Right, it's interesting. Smashan. Usually we think of Smashan Kali as different, but actually the Dhyan Sloka has her with two arms, which is interesting. But this Dakshina Kali is said with four arms. But she doesn't have four arms. She has four, in, in the Kali Sattva, Mrs. Uh, 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 Chaturbhujam, uh, Ashtabhujam, Dasabhujam, uh, Sodashabhujam, Sahasrabhujam, all these different names are there. She has four arms, she has eight arms, she has ten arms, she has sixteen arms, she has a thousand, a hundred arms, she has a thousand arms. All these names are there, right? So in iconography, I, iconography is a language, right? And so in like in theology or philosophy, we'd say, oh, God is omnipotent, omniscient. Um, omniscient, omniscient uh, uh, so omnipotent means all-powerful, really powerful, right? And then omniscient means all-knowing, right? So we can say those words and give a definition, give a dictionary. You look it up on Google and then click on that and you follow that and get all the nice definitions, right? The way we do it nowadays, right? Uh, uh, or, but if you were to show it not in words, but in 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 a symbolic language, right, an image, in a carving or a painting, right, one thing you could do to show omnipotence, all powerful or very powerful, is arms are usually the sign of omnipotence power, right. So many arms is one of the symbols of of having much power. To say somebody's all knowing, well, you could show. How would you show that? Well, maybe many many faces, right? Who faces uh, many faces. Or many eyes, right? For the past, present, and future, you can give that type of language, the type of image, right? So the the arms are her powers and potencies, her aspects, right? And we actually seeing here when Tantric told us, actually we're only seeing, we're not seeing all of her arms. She has a thousand arms, right? We're seeing her. In imagine you've seen those, those images of like a thousand arms, you know, these beautiful paintings. Imagine the top one and the bottom one on this side. And the top one, and the bottom one, on this side, right? So you have all, the, and so in between these two, there's a, there's unlimited, right? So it's the full spectrum, right? From from so we're only seeing the two extremes, right? And we even we see all oh, the, the world of duality. We mentioned this before. In the world, when we say the world of duality, it's a very common thing to see blessing and a sword, right? And a fearlessness and a sword. You can't those seem to be opposite, right? Fear and fearlessness. Right? You can't get too opposite than that. And down is blessing and death. These are two opposites, right? But they're not opposites, right? They're two extremes, right? You know, the opposite of birth is in death, right? Between birth, it's not just birth or death. These are, it's not a binary system, it's either this or that. There's birth and the exact moment after birth, the exact moment after that, the exact moment after that, the exact moment, all the way to, 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 to death, right? These are two extremes of every variety of experience. Between light and dark, now these are two big extremes. That's a clear binary system. There's, the dark. there's, there's infinite shades of gray between white and black or, or light and dark, right? between night and day, between health and sickness between war and peace, how many stages in between? These are exterior, we think of them, we think in duality, but they're not dual, they're not a binary system, not, a, a, not classical duality. It, it's a full range of multiplicity, every possible experience, right? So these are every possible experience. And so this is actually a very bold, we, we've, we've mentioned this before, a very bold approach to reality. 
And many, when I first came to Kali, when I first came to Kali, when Usha mentioned that this is, uh, Kali devotees are, are, are it's, a, it's a brave view of, real, of, 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 of existence. What we usually do is, we meaning mankind, humankind in religion, very often in many religions, maybe some of you've heard about, uh, I mentioned there's an all good God that controls all the good stuff that happens, that we pray to for all the good stuff, right? And there's an all bad version, maybe in some form, in the original form, an anti-God, Right, they're like, or at least a bad guy that seems to have a lot of power. <laughs> Even if he's not God, he has a lot of. He's given a lot of power, you know, right? And so all the bad comes from him, and all the good comes from the other him. That makes sense, right? You know, and so that that's that, that's a way of, of of dealing with the realities and unpleasantries and hopes and fears of life, right? Right. But this image of Kali, which we'll learn, is full of this idea that the one has become everything. Right, we haven't got there, but she's standing on Shiva. Shiva is supreme ground of being. He's existence itself, right? And she, with her step forward, she's manifesting him. So that Brahman, that infinite consciousness, is then manifest as everything, right? Both what we would consider good, pleasant, healthy, wonderful, prosperous, happy, successful, <laughs> this side, and some version of our actual life on, on this side, you know, <laughs> frustration and health, and health problems and, and money problems and bad hair days or whatever, 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 the car won't start, whatever, you know, we have, we have the full, the full experience. So she's, she's birth is, div- so I did, there's a wonderful, uh, Swami, um, there's a beautiful video. If you, if you click around on of Swami Lakshminju, uh, where he's talking, there's a talk on the Bhagavad, talks in the Bhagavad Gita. And he says in one place, he says, they mentioned to him, they because they, Kashmir has a lot of problems, and problems haven't gone away, as you know. But that time, it was a lot of problems. It was more fresh, the original source of the problems. And they brought up the, uh, what was happening in Kashmir and, and how many people had been killed and the recent riot that had happened there like that. And trying to get, you know, he's he's a Kashmir and he, his ashram's in Kashmir, so he's going to give some perspective. But... He did, the video is quite, I get emotionally thinking about it. It's quite not your expected, I know my perspective, let's, we have to fight them and defend our, our India and Kashmir. We, we, we get our emotional, especially when you hear um, uh, something where, you know, innocent people are being killed and our, our community has been threatened and we, it elicits all that emotional response. But his eyes well up with tears, but not tears of, oh my God, those poor people are suffering. We need to help them. Right, he says, Birth is divine, death is divine, right? Peace is divine, war is divine. You know, it's like, but it's almost so he, get, he, go, he goes into like a blissful state, right? That's the image of Kali. Everything is divine. Not that everything is pleasant, not that we should want to suffer, but even if you don't want to suffer, you're going to suffer. Not that we should want to die, but believe it or not, you're all going to die. We're all, not you, I'm not blaming, I'm not, I'm not a... I'm not attacking you. <laughs> I'm not cursing you either. May you all live a long, healthy, happy life. That's fine. <laughs> In spite of my blessing to pray for all of you to live a long, happy life, some of us will not live happy, long, or healthy, healthy lives. You know, right? That's not that's not the reality. It's like, but it's not a mistake either, right? This is the expression of the divine mother as the world, as the full spectrum of the world, right? With thousand arms, or at least four arms, listed here, right? It's a very bold to see her. So we that. What we call good and we call evil, are, these are just from our perspectives, right? You know, like these are our value judgments, and it's natural. We make value judgments. That's where value 
judging, value assigning beings, one of the human definitions, right? And as we mature, our value judgments on what we see and experience will change. Um, uh, but at the highest state, you think that, 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 that to, be, to imagine to be, to have every experience be able to take it to its source and to see what it actually is, as expression of the Divine Mother herself, the Divine Consciousness itself. Muktikesham um, For And we'll mention what she's holding in her arms. We'll get, you'll mention them in a few verses. So I'm going to run out of time if I keep. Kalikam Dakshina Divyam. Kalikam, now this is her name, Kalikam Dakshinam. Dakshina Kali. It says Kali Dakshina. We'd say Dakshina Kali in the way we normally phrase it, right? Like, and so this is again. What is this form? The form that has, um, uh, uh, that he that that Krishnananda saw as a as a as, as a um, tribal girl working with cow dung patties with her right foot forward, right? That's one the thing. But also the 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 uh, here Dakshina. Dakshina Kali is a form of Kali that's worshipped in the home. The form of Kali that's worshipped in the temple. Right? There's other forms of Kali. Uh, uh, another name for Dakshina Kali is Shama Kali. Right? It's a benign, you say benign form of Kali. Right? So Kali is benign and non-benign. She's everything. Right? But we give emphasis right, to a certain aspect. Right? In the Dakshina Kali form, the emphasis is given to her benign fact because dakshina means giving auspiciously, right? And looking, keeping inauspiciousness away, looking towards the, the south and keeping it away, and putting forth the right hand, giving auspicious uh, holy things, blessings. Her blessing, her her blessing side is being to say dakshina kali means the the right side. These are the fearlessness and the boon giving, right? Right to say vama kali. The left side. This is the sword and the severed head. It's the other side of it, right? So sometimes we emphasize that. We may, we may not. It, it's tricky to invoke that. Who wants to invoke death, right? But there are people. You know, actually, sannyasis are supposed to worship smashan kali or vama kali, right? Because we want everything to be destroyed. We want all ignorance to be destroyed. All name and form itself to be destroyed. We want to find like that. But that's a tricky thing to pray for, when you have it's like dependence. And you have a family, and you have a mortgage, <laughs> and college tuition coming up, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. You know, it's like, so then the other stuff becomes symbolic, and you know, in Kali Puja we think of these type of things, right? But actually, we pray. People come here, Ma, please bless me. You know, people, we little children are brought here for their first rice eating ceremony, and we place the little babies on their first outing on the shrine. Like, you know, you think, you think of like the other month of the Kali, she's standing in the cremation ground among uh, burning bodies and howling jackals, right? And, and inauspicious spirits and dakinis and yoginis screeching uh, like that, right? With tongue protruding and, 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 and with a skull like that. And you're going to bring a little baby and put it in front of her? <laughs> you know, you actually, those type of forms, you say, Ma, please stay away. Stay away from my family. Alakshmi, you keep away, right? Not you don't invoke, right? But so, but the fact that people bring their babies here, and we all come here again in a mall, please bless us, 
you know, my, my relationship, and there's this boy I like, or this girl, and I need a good job, and my, and I'm working really hard on my test, and it would be good if you, you know, all the type of things we do, and all, and we, we come to her like a loving mother, like Lakshmi, like Saraswati, like Parvati, like Annapurna, right? But we look behind, she has unfettered, unfettered hair, right? The symbolism is of, 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 of the cremation ground. Rather than blood, we have red cloth and red flags, kumkum, red bracelets, right? Right. The symbolism is all there, but now we, we emphasize the dakshina side, the right side or the right foot or the right direction or the, uh, uh, the looking of the... So we're invoking an auspicious, benign form of Kali. So Sri Ramakrishna says the Shama Kali or Dakshina Kali is a form worshipped in the home. Right, so this is when you this is what you want, and what who do you invoke in your home? You you invoke auspiciousness, you invoke lakshmi, prosperity, happiness, health, right? As well as spiritual advance, we still want we don't want health, happiness, prosperity, uh, in uh, uh, instead of spiritual uh, advancement. So we know we're still invoking a fierce, a shakta, a very shaktified, very strong form, right? Who's who's his first mantra is, is who's tremendous, right? Gaura, Gauram. <clears throat> but she, her Dakshina side is is um, is is Dakshina Kalika, Divyam. Divyam means divine. We worship the divine Dakshina Kali, right? Because you could see some people will look at Dakshina Kali and say, "Oh, she's a demon," right? Is she a demon? Do you know the answer? There's one correct answer to this from the Chandi. What's the verse? Mahadevi Mahasuri. Yeah, they're the mantra. Mahadevi Mahasuri. She is the great goddess and the great demoness. She's everything, right? That's the that's the point. You know, it's like so. But here, she's not mentioned. The Mahasuri is not mentioned in this mantra, right? She's the great goddess, the divine goddess, right? She's so we're worshiping that side, but she's both sides. <laughs> that's the thing, right? Mahadevi Munnamala Bibhushitam. Right, she's adorned. Bibushana means to be adorned by something, right? Was when when mantras are described as adorned with golden jewelry, right? Uh, 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 um. But here, what's her golden jewelry? Munnamala. She has a a a, a mala, a a rosary or a, a garland. A mala is probably garland here, of heads, munda. Right, and so it can be in, in the Kali Sasanama mentions a Mundamala, means of, of heads. It also mentions um, um, there's another word for skulls, right? So sometimes it's it's seen as severed heads or as skulls, right? Actually, Ma in her image here carved is severed heads, right? That's the most common thing you see, and but we have also on top of it in crystal we have uh, crystal skulls. Right, so we, both of them are there, and they have slightly, they have different meanings, and we gave three hours of talks on the meaning of severed heads and skulls and like that, and and like that. But we, we in the just in relating to this Dhyan mantra, the way it's usually understood, when it says Karavagoram, it was gaping mouth and a tremendous sound. Right, this first mantra, that that means that this one that Shiva is manifesting God, the transcendent God is manifesting as the imminent world imminent in the world, as the world. That happens through vibration. Right? So if we think of think of like of, of the of the motionless Brahman, Nirakad Brahman, and then what's this? This is Sakar Brahman. This is the manifested Brahman. 
right? So when something is motionless and it becomes in motion, it happens, that happens through motion, right? So it's vibrationless and then to vibration happens via vibration, right? Through movement. So you can imagine like a beginning to stir, right? That stir, that beginning of vibration, that's actually what the Sri Yantra or the Kali Yantra represents. That's the dot over the Om, of a, the Chandra Bindu and the Mantra Om, the center of a Yantra, is a place where within unmoving, undifferentiated, still consciousness, even within that absolutely still infinite consciousness, there is a potency, Shakti. It's what actually in Tantra they call it Swatantriya. Within it, intrinsic, there is some energy, some nature, some will. Nobody knows why or where. But there's a nature, there's a potency to manifest. Why? Because. So Tantriya. We can't ask that reason, you know. Right? It's by his own, by her own nature, by its own nature. So there is within the one, there is I sometimes like, like imagine a, a still thing of water and boom, a pulse. That's Swatantriya, right? The bindu. That bindu begins some vibration. Right? That vibration we call om. The vocalized om is the vocalized, but you trace back Om to the mental Om and, and to the Padish, Pada. Uh, there's different ways of meditating to trace it back to its to, to the the. Un- if you trace, Sri Ramakrishna said, "How do you meditate on Om? Like hitting a gong, gong. You trace that sound. Mm, that the M becomes the Chandra Bindu makes it a nasal that allows it mm, allows it to to vibrate longer. So you can trace the sound where to the silence. Right? So you can trace the sound to the source of sound by reversing it. It's hard to hear the sound, the silence, and then follow the sound out, but you can start from the sound and trace it back. It can be done to every thought and every word and every image, but it's hard. Om is perfectly situated because of the nature of the sound can, can be traced. Right? As you trace the sound, you're actually tracing it to where it comes from, not where it's going. It's coming and going to the same place, from and to the same place. Right? Right? So from that initial sound, Om, Right, that that first vibration happens, and Om is a single syllable sound, Om, right? But if you think about it, actually, sometimes we spell it Aum, right? So now one sound becomes three sounds. How is that possible? It's Om is one sound, but you can think, oh, I can see how it's made of Aum, right? So Vivekananda in his in in in, in he in his uh, uh, I think in Raja Yoga. I think in Raja Yoga, he mentioned Raja Yoga or Bhakti Yoga, I'm forgetting, but he mentions how this mantra Om, maybe in Bhakti Yoga, how this mantra Om, he says it's all possible sounds, right? You start at the back of the throat, the first possible sound, ah, right? And the last possible sound, where the lips close, mm, right? And in between is the, 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 from this position to the final position, ah, ooh, mm. You know, so by doing that, you're meant, you're saying all possible vowels, right? We can then separate the vowels, and into you know, uh, an a, ah, an e, and u, u, and you can do the Sanskrit vowels or the English equivalents, right? Simplified English equivalents, right? And then, and so then, so that's the the the, the om is all possible sounds, right? What are consonants? They're breaks. In the those in the in that pure single, in the single sound that's actually three sounds that's actually all sounds. You see how om becomes a um, but that really is all possible sounds, 
every all the letters, every possible variation, right? So it's one, that's three, that's all, right? That's how that's how that's all, that's that that's in from one to three to all. From actually, we've talked about this before. It's one to two to three to all, right? So if you get let's say a little more, okay, <laughs> well, I can't get too philosophical here, but in, in ten minutes or less, I'm gonna get a little philosophical for ten minutes. Um, in tantra, there is a, we've 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 mentioned this before, but and I want to do it specifically in this context for these talks. There is the idea of uh, we have this idea of Prakash, who's right now installing our lights outside, perfectly because Prakash means light, right? Pra means to illumine, to shine, to light, and Akasha means space, right? But like like not like you know like the space of so it's a space of light, or sometimes described as we we in in, in poetic English, like the, the light of consciousness, the light of awareness, a prakasha, right? Pra-akasha, prakasha. And then, but so light in order to, if you had a light in a dark, in a, if you put a light on in a dark, in a dark space that has nothing to shine on, right? It, can sh- it doesn't shine on anything. It has to have something to shine on in order to say, oh, you know, that, you know, that, that it hits. So in order for the light to be light, in one's aspect, it has to shine on something, but there's only itself. So the one, by definition, if the one is consciousness, it has to be conscious of something, right? If the one is awareness, it has to be aware of something. But there's not anything in the non-dual, in the one, there's nothing to be aware of. So to be awareness has to imply, in some sense, something to be aware of. So what can it be aware? Of? It can only be aware of itself, right? If you, the knower can. The, you can't be a knower unless you know something, but there's nothing to know, so you can only know yourself, right? You can only see yourself, there's nothing else to see, if you're going to see something. So to have one implies two, right? So there you have your, your base duality of Shiva and Shakti, Pakriti, Purusha, and all those type of separate... In Tantra, it's Puru, uh, um, um, uh, Purusha, uh, Prakash and Vimarsha. Vimarsha means a reflection, right? A reflected, right? But as soon as you have two, you have three. To have... If I see, if I'm the seer and I see something, automatically there, there, there's seeing. If there's a hearer and a heard, there's hearing. If there's a thinker and a thought, they're thinking, right? So the one is two is three automatically. This is kind of the basic, like it's a simultaneous thing. But once you do that, then you have everything. You have every variety of thought. One thought, you don't just have one thought. You don't just see one thing. You see everything, right? Even that everything, but that everything is only one thing. Or only three things, right? That's the thing that the Trinitarian idea is essential. The dual, the, the, the dualistic idea is essential, and the and the the um, non-dual reality is essential, right? So, in vibration, Shiva begins to vibrate. That vibration becomes first the world of duality, right? Psychologically, it becomes subject and object, right? Experiential, it's birth and death, pain and pleasure, where you know health happens. Happiness, misery, or success, failure—all those type of things, right? Ontologically, or like uh, more philosophically, becomes subject and object, and thinker and thought, and that type of um, uh, duality. But and that becomes so you have the world duality, and you have the and the world of Trinity, right? Aum, and then it becomes everything, right? Every possible thing. So that one sound becomes the three sounds Om, which becomes all sounds, which we would say all letters or all syllables. Of the alphabet, all the different letters, right? And the essence of every letter, you can't, any letter in Sanskrit is obvious, but it's true in every language. We say ka, right? 
the the the, the ka actually is not ka. It's the letter that's the the consonant ka with an implied vowel a, uh, right? It could be you can you can put another vowel in ki ku ka ki you know you know like that. But the sound you can't say you can't even think the you can't think the letter without an implied vowel, a letter. So that and and it's in 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 shakta tantra. Uh, the consonants are forms of Shiva, are masculine, and the vowel is Shakti. Without a vowel, a consonant, a letter can't be spoken, right? A letter is dead, right? Without Shakti, Shiva is Shava. Shiva is like Shava. You know, this is the symbolism. Shiva lies like a corpse. Without Shakti is the thing that makes Shiva manifest, that makes language possible, make thought possible, right? So the one becomes two, they become three, and then becomes everything. And that's symbolized in this image of her garland of, her mundamala, her garland of heads, right? And the said to said, usually in, in, a, in, a, in a carving of an image, you, can, you have to make it aesthetically pleasing and easy to carve and easy to look at. So you, you make it fit. But actually it's described as having 50 or 54 letters, 54 skulls or separate heads, right? Uh, to represent all the different sounds of the Sanskrit alphabet. Right, whose essence, like in this, my here's my mala of 50. Uh, this is also this is very nice. This is 54 beads right here, right? Right. There's something in between all these beads that holds it together. There's a string right here that holds all the beads together, right? So within all these, there's something essential. Within all the sounds of the there is om. There's there's the the, the the vowel that makes all these things possible that holds it all together, right? So even in, when you see all the alphabet or all of creation, all name, all form, all manifestation, it's strung, Krishna says, like beads, strung, like pearls strung on a string. Everything is strung upon me, Krishna says, right? So it means we see, oh, the beautiful bead. But the problem between you say, oh, it's a beautiful mala. Look at all those beautiful beads. And they are beautiful. They are very rare. There's a great darshan online here. Of my, it took, took 30 years to collect all these beautiful beads of rare rejaksha beads. But... Say, so, oh, very beautiful. But actually, the thing that holds them together, that you don't see, unless you're looking for it. Like, ah, look right there. There's something in between. That we don't, the, the most essential part of the mala is a string, actually, not the things that are strung, you know. So, but that we don't know how to see. So when we're doing japa and mantra, one of the tricks, this is one of the, one, one possible trick you people, uh, we do in, in, in japa is to see where the sound comes from, right? The silence from which it comes, the mantra comes, and where it goes. Right, we can catch that. That's that's the unmanifest itself, and the mantra is a manifested Brahman. Right, it's a very deep thing. But anyway, so she, her, her, her munnamala. This is one interpretation, is the sounds of the Sanskrit alphabet. But then something, somebody, you can ask, what? Like they're they're not just severed heads, they're demon heads. It's a very interesting. They're usually, they're always male heads, right? They're never female heads. Mm -hmm. Right. I saw somebody do a painting that had a female like that. No, no traditional artist would do such a thing. You know, it's uh, somebody made that up, right? But and they're de and they're demons, right? And so why demon heads, right? Because this is a because you have to. Of course, this is this is a gothic, like I said, a gothic vibe of of, of Kali imagery is a little like we always say Halloweeny and ghosts and goblins and like that and cremation ground. We emphasize that. Right, but this is interesting because the manifested world, right, in a certain sense, is a it's the world of duality, right? We call it duality. It's the world of suffering. It's the world of birth and death. 
We can say, oh, birth is auspicious and death is, death is inauspicious. But actually, we already think mukti is not liberation from death, not living forever, or living a long life. It's liberation from birth and death. The whole thing is considered not, you know, it has a, has a quality, right? We, we, we want to be free from birth and death. We don't just want to be healthy. We want to be free from health and sickness. Right, we transcend the world of, 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 of we want to we want to transcend the uh, uh, the world of duality, the world of multiplicity, right? To be free from it, right? So in a certain sense, so and, I, and so uh, manifested speech is considered slightly can't say impure because she's the demon also, right? Even the demon is pure, right? In that sense, right? And also the other verse, the Chandi, both gods and demons touch your feet, oh goddess, right? So, uh, uh, but the manifest is the crudest form of the subtle, the gross of the subtle, right? So Sri Ramakrishna sometimes described that that what God is has never been spoken, and he uses this term jut or uchista, right? It means un, when something like uchista or like which is like if probably American culture doesn't have the same some scar for it, but generally it's like anything that touches someone's mouth is considered unclean, right? Jut or muchi or something like that. Uchista. He uses the word uchista. It means it's been it's been defiled by the mouth, right? Now of course we eat and so but but we swallow with our own defilements. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. But but the idea of like we people like oh, oh look, taste this mm-hmm. and they like that. You know, it's like if somebody does that, it's due to great intimacy. People, child and mother, husband and wife, maybe intimately feed each other, like you know, taste this and like that. There's a because you're breaking all this, all the, all the, uh, the um, uncomfortableness was was impurity. But it's considered impure at some at some level, ritually impure at least, right? It's not shud, it's not pure, right? So Sri Ramakrishna said actually, what God actually is has never been. Made, God is the one thing that's never been uchista, never been made impure. It means it's never touched anybody's lips. It's never been described, mm-hmm. right? What God actually has never been de- never been defiled by the lips. Yet, I'm I'm in giving year a year now of classes on this beautiful book. Well, sorry, this has been defiled by my ghee and oil spilling, but but uh, 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 but what what is uh, how, uh, uh, are the, are these mantras impure then? Right. In one sense, even the mantras are impure. Not really, but. But when you say, oh, the month the Vedas say this about Brahman, right? Is that Brahman or is it, you know, is that really about Brahman? Can you be, there's a mantra, I'll tell you there's an extraordinary, you know, okay, time to, I have one, I exactly one minute to go. I'll tell you an extraordinary line that's unique to the Vedas, right? We all hear, we all know the scriptures tell us we have to follow the scriptures, right? No scripture will say don't follow the scriptures, right? Except the Vedas. The Vedas say, there's a beautiful mantra, Aveda Veda Bhava. The Vedas become not Vedas. Or or in other words, they, the Vedas are not the Vedas. That's one way to say it. Or the Vedas become Bhava, not Vedas. Right? Because first we know eventually when we know the truth, we, the Vedas are left behind. The Vedas are not the real Veda. Swami Vivekananda's opening talk at the Parliament of Religions, he gave his talk on Hindu, on Hinduism. He said, "Oh, the Vedas by, by the Vedas are eternal, and unending, and, and, and never composed, right? That we know that he's like that. Is it? But someone may ask, how can a book be without beginning and end? So, oh, by the Vedas, no book is meant. So by the Vedas, no mantras are meant. 
no revelation is meant. The real Veda is beyond even the Vedas. You won't find many texts say that. I've not seen that in other common, like that's a unique thing to the Veda. When one person told me there's an exit button, even hidden in the, inside the Vedas or the way beyond the Vedas. Right beyond, in other words, within all these, this beautiful manifestation, divine, we see it is all divine. Still, there's a way beyond even this, right? Uh, but it's not beyond this, so that this is gone, right? It's like it's not like 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 we can we can close our eyes and name and form are gone, right? But when we open our eyes, we're back to we're the same. Like Guruji said, the same fool we did before we closed our eyes, right? We go to sleep and we open and we wake up the same fool, right? How to go, how to go to sleep and wake up, in, in a, what the Bible says a new heaven and a new earth, right? With new eyes, right? Uh, 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 anyway, this is a so so even even this expression, the mantras, the letters, the consonants, name and form itself is her, right? It's de- it's 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 her and it's not her. It decorates her, Bibhushana. She's decorated. She hold, This is not me. It may represent me, you know, but it's not me. It, it, it decorates me. So this whole world of name and form, in one sense, it's her. She's become everything, but she's. But it's the whole world of name and form is on her. She and therefore one of her names is Jagadatri, right? She holds the world. She holds everything, right? Right, uh, but even the impure world or pure world, whatever it is, the apada vidya and apada whatever, however you want to describe Indian philosophy, every school of Indian philosophy described it differently, right? But whatever it is, right, this whole world is her, and she, and it's held by her, right? Gunashreya gunamai narayanam. This world of the gunas is permeated by you and and held by you, and you enter into it, right? So we'll leave it there with some. Uh, Let's see where I got. Munnambalav, that's pretty good. So we, 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 this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So it's a nine sloka dhyan mantra. We did sloka one. Pretty good. <laughs> this is going to be good. Kravradagora muktakeshinta tudpujam kalikam dakshinadivyam munnambalav hushitam fearsome with gaping mouth, freely flowing hair and forearms. The divine dakshinakali is adorned with a garland of heads. Well, I'm there tonight. Thank you for your kind attention. Oh, we have to watch this very carefully. So you have to do save HD and then save on the camera. We're going to do that. We had some, some problem uploading in the last few days, last few weeks. Can you, you follow it? Or? Yeah.